Welcome to The Crunch. It is your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. What are we going to talk about today, gents? No, what, what? Okay, first of all, first Pat and then you. When have we ever um, sat there and gone, what are we going to um, talk about today? We just talk. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> this isn't cereal. <laughs> We're not Wait, did you say it's not cereal? Because I feel like that was offensive. Uh, because it's the crunch, you get it, Luke? Yeah. The crunch, it's a cereal book. I don't listen, so I don't understand. Um, <laughs> all right. I actually have an honest um, question for th- for the both of you. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Have you ever used your podcast to try to, like, hit on girls? Oh, Luke. I've, I've got a great story for you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 231 of Catching Foxes, where we interview the guys from The Crunch. Also, today's episode was sponsored by the fine folks at catholicsocial.media. Here's the deal. This is the last week you're going to hear the old ad. We got some new ads coming up for catholicsocial.media. Stay tuned. Thanks to them. Awesome show. Things. Wonderful. The Crunch. Uh, I actually have my current girlfriend right now because of the podcast. Yeah, there you so, go. There I, you go. So I'm I'm a focused missionary, and Exhausting. my first year you go on you go on the you go on the dating fast. And stupid. While I was on the dating, oh, so fast, stupid. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, while I was on the dating fast, I may or may not have DM'd her on Instagram uh, because I thought she was cute. And we that may old, or may wait, not be oh, dating six months, now. baby. Yeah, wait. Oh. It's not a DMing fast, that's for sure. So <laughs> the whole reason is because of the podcast, because she followed me on Instagram in the first place because of the show, that she found out about when we threw 10,000 business cards at Seek 2017 because we thought we needed that many business cards, and there's still 5,000 sitting in my closet waiting to be <laughs> And I so. have the other 5,000. Oh, man. <laughs> there we go. Oh. The answer is yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I Good never used the I never used the podcast to hit on women because I started the you've podcast. Wasted, I had a girlfriend. You've wasted these three years, Patrick. This has been <laughs> the best three years of my life. I've been single for six months over the course of the last three years of this podcast. Ethan, Ethan is using times. the podcast to run through hoes like Drano. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Oh no! Because <laughs> every day he is hustling. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, monogamy, right? Ugh. You get a couple mm. of Gen Zs on your podcast, and all of a sudden you're dropping party rock references. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, do you guys remember? You guys uh, probably don't. Like two years ago when I discovered Run, Run the Jewels. And I was on, yes. on Twitter going, this yes. is amazing. Yes. And um, Ethan, you just go, yeah, Luke just discovered 2015 or something like that. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, Run the Jewels is so good. <laughs> Luke, do you remember two and a half years ago when you paraded me around a, co- a convention center floor going, this guy was 16 four years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh. I I remember like we were sitting down at a thing and you were talking and like I was realizing that I remember just I'm thinking what the f- am I doing hanging out with this guy like and I don't mean that in a bad way it's like it, it was just like how am I in a thing where like I'm uh. friends with someone who's like a child 
In your like, defense, I always punch up. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I, I've, <laughs> I've never hung out with people my age. But in, in, in also in your defense, I did stupidly mention my high school prom as if it was something oh. recent. Yeah, I guess that's the, you're right. No. And I was just like, what? Because like, to me, you've got to understand high school prom is like another lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the four that I went to, it's just this thing. I was like, yeah, I like, I barely remember any of it, and it's not because I was doing hard drugs or anything. It's just because of time <laughs> and brain is like a finite thing. <laughs> and time robs all precious things from you <laughs> one damn day at a time, <laughs> like sand through the hourglass. I don't even remember what joy is, and my wife yells at me every time I pee standing up. <sighs> <laughs> oh my gosh! That, all you gotta okay. do is work on your aim, and that goes away. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't tell me how to live my life. Don't you dare tell me how to live my life. I'll pee on the toilet. I'll pee on the toilet brush if I want to. I close my eyes when I pee. I don't always hit it in the water. I'm scared of what it looks like. It's not normal, but I don't want to tell my doctor. You can't see it. You can't tell. Done. Why is this purple? I always thought I had, like, I thought my aim was fine. I never questioned it. And then I, then I got married. And I, for the past four years, it has been nothing but criticism. <laughs> over the toilet. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome is after this, your wife is like, I'm done. And she puts like a little target <laughs> in the toilet. like, And you're like, oh, a game. Oh, one of those little football <laughs> yeah. things. You ever see those games at like bars where they like mm-hmm. have the urinal toy where you have to like, if you aim at it and it spins around. Yeah, I can see Luke doing that and getting really excited. <laughs> oh, it's like my 20s all over again. <laughs> Love these oh, things. Man. I used to steal them out of the urinals. I there's this bar that I used to go to out in uh, out in Eureka, California, all the time called Dave's greatest bar in the world. It's just this hole in the wall, and really, really, almost late at night, I would go into the bathroom and I and I and I would be peeing, and I'm like, I'm gonna pee on the wall, and I would just start <laughs> peeing on the wall, like just big like, whoop, just because I thought it was funny, and then, yeah, and then and then someone had to clean that. I know. Have you ever thought about writing an anthology? Luke, have you ever thought right about writing about your twenties, like writing a book about everything that you did <laughs> yes, from the year two thousand and four to two thousand and ten? Yeah, I actually have really. It would it would have to probably go till about two thousand and fifteen. Oh dear lord, because <laughs> oh, that's when it that's when the behavior really kind of stopped. And uh, <laughs> when did you get married? Two thousand and fifteen. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> All right, here's the deal: you ain't got no staff. No time and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do, and you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good, like like really, really good. That's why CatholicSocial.media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. CatholicSocial.media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. 
and you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with the discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. Yeah, no, no, no. It was just one fantastic party. Oh, so I guess my 20s are going to be over in July. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) no, no. You're an idiot. But... uh, (laughs) <laughs> you sound like my divorced coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> ah, church secretaries. <laughs> Do you remember? Oh, this is better than the last time we did it, which was basically Gomer and I getting drunk while I'm talking to like a couple of like underage college kids. Part of part yeah. of my my uh, growing into maturity is realizing that most of my conversations with you guys was when you were hammered. It's much like my actual coming to maturity, mm. realizing most of my conversations with grownups were when they were hammered. Um, yeah. That podcast taught me to never meet my heroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some people talk about being disappointed and it's like, you've never been on your favorite podcast where instead of interviewing you, they just got really, really drunk. I was <laughs> not really drunk. I have I did. That's how I, I am did. normally. Okay, okay, normally. okay. Franciscan drunk. Yeah, Franciscan drunk. I was. I, 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 oh my gosh! I remember the end of that just being like, "This is not salvageable." Like nothing yeah. about this <laughs> is good. Everyone felt dirty walking out of that. The best that part is the recording. file that Luke uploaded to me was called uh-huh. "Those f- Kids from the Crunch." <laughs> And to this <laughs> day, to this day, I have never deleted it. It's the only it's file. It's in our Dropbox. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only file. Like, <laughs> oh, my. One of my. The, the thing that gave me the most joy about starting the crunch was the immediate and intense animosity coming from you guys directed right at us. <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't. It gave me like a sick satisfaction. <laughs> It wasn't. No, I it, know. It Let's was start a just... podcast that makes some thirty-year-olds really upset. <laughs> <laughs> Mission We're accomplished, for you, Taylor Marshall. Mission accomplished. Do you know what sucks oh. though is now I have a reputation as being the guy who like hates most podcasts. Yes, because <laughs> oh, you so said okay. that several times on our podcast. Be- okay, now no, I've said that about <laughs> podcasts. That, like I've never <laughs> one time was I ever specific. <laughs> no, I'm not talking and about being specific. I'm talking about the general comments. Oh, you're going to do a show with two guys talking about stuff. Okay, that's new. <laughs> well, no, it's more about, hey, let's just have a couple dudes sit there, and we're just going to unpack the faith in a real way. It's like, come on, everyone does that. We ripped <laughs> off Catching Foxes before it was cool. Yeah, totally. No, but, totally. totally. <laughs> but what I like about what um, you guys did was you do it for, uh, I mean, not, and I would say, like, you and... Clerically speaking, and I don't listen like to it that much, just because I, I actually don't listen to hardly any uh, any um, podcast now. But uh, because of Exodus ninety, bleh. but um, <laughs> you guys like know like you're for a certain, and it's not like for Catholic Twitter, but mm-hmm. it's definitely mm-hmm. part of that like scene or that whole. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually kind of cool when you can have an online community that does start to grow in a thing where you have a podcast that like appeals to other people but it actually kind of comes out of this group and it has like the culture of this group and so it's like catholic twitter but on a podcast 
Yeah, the it, reason is that, that our wrong? podcast exists is because Pat and I both had thousands of followers on Twitter before we started. And so it naturally like kind of came out of that world. But as both of us have sort of grown and decided to do other things besides Twitter, um, which is all <laughs> that I did when I was in college was build a brand uh, during class. Um, at Propozzle. I know we've we've actually been able to in in the past few months, really, we've been able to sort of flex more creative muscles and not just repeat what was talked about on Catholic Twitter that week. Um, so it's been really cool to see sort of the difference from where we were two years ago when you guys talked to us when we were just the Catholic Twitter Young People podcast to now I feel like we both have our feet wet in ministry and we both have a better understanding of how the medium works and how like what our niche is, you know, and how we can focus more on comedy and not feel obliged to uh, just quote the catechism all the time, uh, which yeah. is boring podcasting. So, and I, I, I do, I do like disagree with Luke sometimes. Um, <laughs> I think that the two white guys talking about Catholicism, let's just be real and unpack the faith. Right. I think there is a genre there, right? There's a, there's a genre there, but you need like you need a unique spin, and I think one of the problems with ca- people that just pop up with Catholic podcasts is they don't try to be new. They don't try to be mm-hmm. unique, right? Mm-hmm. They're not trying to be themselves. They're trying That's to just fair. be yeah. another. You know, they're just trying to be another Matt Frad. They're trying. Wait, to be this podcast brother. is going to talk about the intersection of faith and culture. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so so wild to me. Who would have thought? <laughs> Which is why, which is why we 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 cornered we I like I like whittled down our <laughs> our like because I, I I always loved how you guys have the number one Catholic podcast with explicit content. Yep, I mm-hmm. thought that was very funny, and so I I tagged our podcast as the number one uh, the number one comedy podcast for Catholic young adults. And a friend of ours made fun of me because he's like, "There's no others," and I was like, "Yeah." I yeah, know. that's it. Exactly. We're, the, we're the only ones that make jokes that aren't just awkward forced banter between a guy with a theology degree and another guy with a theology degree. So <laughs> it's kind of kind of fun. This is a guy with a theology degree who wears AirPods. This is a guy with a theology degree who skateboards. <laughs> this is a guy with a theology mm-hmm. degree with an accent. <laughs> they're all they're all. This so great guy and has fun. the chin goatee still. Um, the landing. So like, what? It, yeah. <laughs> this guy bounces his pectorals in the mirror. <laughs> Luke, did you get that one? His, his name is Taylor Marshall. Uh, there it is. There it is. I can Sorry. bounce mine. I can use both my hands. Please don't. Please they, don't. They, they fill up the palm well, of I'll your I'll turn hand. my camera back on so you can see what I'm no, doing. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, have the Taylor Marshall jokes gotten old? No, no, not, not at all. No, much like Taylor Marshall, they never age. <laughs> they only squint <laughs> more. <laughs> I haven't. I mean, I don't even know what he's saying because I haven't. I have no clue. Taylor Marshall blocked me before I knew who he was. So anything that I've oh, ever, that feels so good, doesn't it? Though I feel like I've done something. <laughs> that right. feels amazing. Yeah. Hey, what's your problem with Taylor Marshall? He's a nice guy, just trying to live the faith. What do you, What do you mm-hmm. have against him? Well, I don't know. I can't see his Twitter. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I, wish, that's a good yeah, point. I wish I could, I wish I would know. <laughs> I only don't like him because you guys made fun of him for bouncing his pecs in the mirror. So I just sided with you guys. <laughs> I figured you were right. Excellent. But it was that was honestly one of my favorite tweets ever because mm-hmm. it was just uh, <laughs> his tone of like I, as a son of the church, volunteer myself to go and blah 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 blah. And I was oh, like, Oh gosh, wait, what tweet? Was oh, that? It was about oh, him going yeah. to the it USCCB was... to tell them why they suck. 
essentially. Yeah, and I was, oh, go- oh, and I was like, my time has come. I have the perfect Simpsons gif for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that guy a couple uh, months ago who talked about the young virile men and how we need to get him back uh, into the church and how everybody got mad at me for making fun of that guy. Yeah, um, that guy which is, which is the whole reason that I'm not on Twitter for that the That guy wrote a whole future. book called The Old Evangelization, uh. which is like, <laughs> I get it. You want to be there. super trad and also misunderstand all of John Paul II. I mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, that guy, Luke, you don't like that guy. You sent me. That's the guy that like bashes. <laughs> no, you're the one that introduced me to him. He's the guy that bashed youth ministers. And you're like, oh, he's just doing that. Do you, know, you remember who I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I got real mad at yeah. He's yeah. He's yeah, got yeah, like yeah. four books, and one of them is called The Old Evangelization. Yeah, and mm-hmm. what, I mean, like literally, like the difference between the old and the new evangelization is you're evangelizing previously evangelized cultures that have now essentially yeah. apostated, and so you need a new method to pe- preach to people who feel like they've been there, done that, rather than people who have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, but this is a guy who's never evangelized before, so he's just going to spout theory <laughs> and pat himself on the back and call it a day. Let's not get hasty, Pat. Let's not get hasty. He's probably I, w- a- I will get hasty. All right. Luke, I'm curious, right? With cuz I see uh, a lot of myself in you when I was your age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the- <laughs> the- <laughs> when I, I grow think- up, I want to be just like you. Better start eating. <laughs> when i when i was big in uh big in twitter i say this as if it was a long time ago i've been off for like a month um not doing exodus i just really needed to take some time away but when i was big into twitter i got mad a lot and i got mm-hmm. really frustrated a lot and i know that you've been really passionate about a lot of things that you've seen online i've heard you talk about them i've seen you tweet about them <laughs> and so i'm just curious like and then that bleeds over like into my ministry right like i felt myself getting more upset about things that weren't going my way or if I saw somebody doing something that I didn't deem to be the correct way to evangelize in that particular moment, I would get kind of heated. Have you seen that like connection between like a decrease in activity on Twitter and like a decrease in a, in like upsetness and frustration uh, in like other areas um, or are you still pretty high strung <laughs> in, other, in every other place? Um. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, that's a good question. So I would say that I'm still pretty high strung, mm. but I've it like the Twitter. Like, so it would uh, it did make me more aware. Mm. And I, I think it was finally it was like it was the it was the interaction with that guy that I said, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. Like I, mm. I like this is this is not. And I'm not, I'm not, um, it's my fault. I'm the one who like, okay, I got a, uh, really, really great, uh, great, uh, great document th- the other day from a guy who, uh, I would love to say who it was, but I can't, uh, cause it actually, yeah, it's kind of nuts. Um, but he talked about how really good leaders respond. They don't react. Mm, and I yeah. was like, man, uh. I just tend to just react to stuff and it and it all comes from like you know like an arguably good place. I was very mad at that guy because he was insulting people who I considered like something like I used to do and people I know who work very hard and just he's doing it like he in the name of like God he's insulting others to make himself look appealing. 
and it just feels so disgusting and wrong to me. But I, um, I don't like what one reason why I think it's helped me not be on Twitter as much, or really why I've stopped engaging with that is because I don't have the energy to deal with it. Like I, it's mm-hmm. yeah. it's just it's almost like you're having a like. Um, it's 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 almost like you have like a thousand birds that are just like trying to like I mean it's gonna sound ironic like <laughs> yeah, tweet, you, you know just like bing bing like it's just like I can't do this I can't like I like this I have to just um walk away and I think in my like that was there before but I think the thing about online stuff is that it makes it worse if you're if uh, you're in a bad headspace or it it, it can just like okay, okay so like let's take let's let's take Exodus ninety as you know an example one of the things that i have learned is it doesn't actually like make things right it's actually mm-hmm. like if you have like big issues in your life it tears it open and it makes it mm-hmm. very obvious and it can actually um, make certain things worse or very painful and um that's not necessarily a bad thing and i think that th- th- uh I've had to take a look and go, like, why do I get so angry about this stuff? Like, is it just – and so I've um, – this is a very um, long answer. But uh, – <laughs> yep. Sorry. No, I'm, no, I'm curious. <laughs> oh, shut up, Gomer. You've done way worse. Ugh, uh, I'm sorry. I was asleep. <laughs> what? Uh, oh, yeah, please. Why don't we talk about I'm a fire for, like, 35 minutes When I was again. wrestling with the Book of Romans, I yeah. discovered. <laughs> no, it's okay. My my so my my point though is uh, being offline has has helped, but what's also helped is I have I'm fundamentally tried to address that issue mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like and just try to understand why am I doing this and this is like it's not worth it. It's yeah. just not worth and uh, yeah. so yeah, it's it's kind of as in all things um Catholic both and. Mm. A when vibrant I, when paradox. I t- when I, Go on. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I took a break from Twitter a while ago, obviously not anymore, but I remember taking a month break I after after our engagement, actually. Phoebe, like, took my password. And for a, week, for a month, I didn't have Twitter. And then, like, I went back on, and then I got mad at something. And I felt, I remember the emotion coming back, like, the yes. anger that I felt. Yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I haven't felt this in a month. And it feels so much worse now. It I never sucks. want to feel this again. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm not, I don't really get inundated by a bunch of people, like, a bunch of different opinions. I really don't feel that. I get, like, fixated on one thing. And it feels like. The problem with like a when 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 a wrong tweet when a wrong opinion <laughs> gathers traction, right? What I, I feel like you know those dreams you have when you like are trying to run but you can't run fast enough. That's how it feels. I'm like I can't do anything about this, but I care so much about this, yeah. you know. And so it's just better to just not engage and just not you know even put myself in that position where I can see those things and have, and have those things thrown at me. You know, you know I, I want to say something specifically to that because, I mean, that what you said is so freaking true because, like, Buy my book. I, uh, <laughs> I left, <laughs> like, I used to be a news junkie, and I remember stop watching, stop watching the news and reading the, the specific websites and all this stuff because... I was just angry all the time, and it's all I could talk about. Uh And I saw how it alienated and annoyed people around me. But then the thing is, (laughs) then you dip your toe in it, and you're like, oh. Like, you feel this, like, 
this like abyss sucking you down into it. And I was just listening to this podcast, which is hysterical. I'll tell you why. I was listening to this podcast, and the guy was talking about um, stress, like literally just what you said. He said most people don't think like they go about their day they don't think they're stressed we don't live in the middle of the great depression world war ii or one or anything and yet we're stressed more than ever because they had acute stress that they knew what it was we live in non-acute generalized anxiety like our whole day like we're just anxious and um he said and if you don't believe me go to the go camping for a week without your phone and on day two, he says, everyone experiences this. On day two, you're like, huh. So I, I, I feel like someone took a, you know, like a 10-pound weight off my chest. And, you don't, and then you get mm-hmm. back and you get that phone in your hand and it comes rushing back. And then you're like, huh, that's what I've been dealing with. <laughs> this thing is poison. Yeah, this is low-grade, always-on stress that I never realized. And the reason why this is funny is because it was on a podcast called Mind Pump. And I found Mind Pump because someone after our last show thought it was so hilarious that Luke was <laughs> that, <you> were... <laughs> that Luke that Luke thought Bishop Barron getting jacked and all surrounding himself with all he these He was on dudes. a podcast with bodybuilders. Yeah, well, yeah, so Mind Pump podcast. I went on it. Now here's the funny. so I found Bishop Barron. He has like four episodes. I found one. I listened to it and this is the funniest thing about it all. It was hands down the greatest Bishop Barron interview I have mm-hmm, ever mm-hmm. heard. I mm-hmm. have ever heard. He, How come? It wasn't a debate. You know, it wasn't like two people taking sides or anything like that. And like his, uh, you know, he's been on everyone except Joe Rogan, basically. But when there's, they were just asking him questions. And, you know, one guy was an atheist. He's still you know, searching, whatever, but they just ask a bunch of questions. They're obviously curious. And he just talked about his faith, talked about this stuff. And they were, they were completely, they had nothing to do with the whole religious stuff. They're they're not even a Ben Shapiro, you know, in the Jewish world. They're just guys talking about gains and they bring him on. They're just pumping. Yeah. Well, I mean, the funny thing, I've listened to a couple episodes and they're not like that, but the uh, it was just so fun, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I gotta hear this Bishop Barron episode after Luke's thing." And then I listened to it, and I was like, "Holy crap, this was the most amazing Bishop Barron thing ever!" And then I listened to the next one about how to get your T levels up. Mm. Oh, everyone's gonna think now that I'm against on Bishop Barron. I, I am so. not at all. I don't think so. No, everyone thinks you're against getting jacked. <laughs> no, I'm not. I just thought it was a weird picture. You're against men that are stronger than you. <laughs> You're against men that can pin you to the ground and kiss you on the cheek. <laughs> it's happening again. It's, it's happen- like household life. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. That's yeah. funny because Bishop Barron's done two of those Mind Pump podcasts. And the first one I remember. I, and I've only listened to the, one. The first yeah. one was, uh, I think, like a year and a half ago. And it was it was good. And they just asked a lot of questions fundamentally about, like, you know, why is there evil, that all that sort of stuff. Um, and I want to listen to the second one now, Gomer, because you're talking about how good it was. But the whole time I was listening to y'all's show last week, I was like, it's from the Mind Pump podcast. You guys are making fun of people that are not the same <laughs> as you think they are. Um, but oh, yeah, that's on- what the picture w- was w- was from? Yes, Luke. Oh, I didn't know Wait, that. No, are, no, are no, no, sure? no, no. They just had no. a whole thing on the Word on Fire studios. And it's uh, oh. there's like three or four I of the guys. Ad, no, 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 father. I saw an ad from the Mind Pump podcast that was with Bishop Barron, 
And so I thought you saw the ad for Mind Pump and saw Bishop Barron and assumed it was Word on Fire. But maybe there's two pictures floating around. (laughs) Maybe there's more than one (laughs) group of jacked guys. It was was a sponsored ad for Word on Fire. For Word on Fire. Did you guys ever find it? Did you ever see it again? No, I, I get, wish I could because I just I get like, too many pictures of strong men in my feet. Someone, someone, send it to them. So, gay audience brigade, <laughs> brigade. This is a podcast um, with more than two listeners. Someone go do something. <laughs> so, I would be curious, guys. Uh, so, I'm going to ask you guys to take to take off your uh, take off your crunch hat and put on your catching foxes hat. Mm-hmm. Um, Which also like involves how... you simultaneously taking off your pants. Go on, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, like. How is your like? How is adulthood going? Like how? Like where are you? Like what's? Oh, thanks for asking. Like yeah, because I'm because like you know y- you guys are really. I mean, you're. Uh, I think you guys have both been out of college for what about like a year and a half now? If that two mm-hmm. years, yeah, about two years. So like. Yeah. Year and a half. Like where are you with 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 like um life? Like what's been like what's been good and what's been like you know really bad? How's God? I thought worked? getting out of debt would be easier than this. Um, <laughs> really? First and foremost, really? Have you yeah, ever heard of you ever heard of fire? Okay, <laughs> no. So I got really there. into Dave. I got really into Dave Ramsey my last semester of oh. of college. So I was like, hell yeah, I got this. The other day, Patrick made. The best joke of all time. I texted him and I said, hey, do you know if there are any Protestant mystics? Because I was just curious. And he said, yeah, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> it was one of the best, <laughs> best jokes of all nice. time. Nice. Not expecting it. Uh, I don't know. I have to think about that one. Ethan, you go I, first. I can, I can go. I'm, I'm always ready to talk about myself. Um, the <laughs> It's kind of weird because I graduated from college and I went straight into college ministry with Focus. So I am an adult, but I'm constantly surrounded by uh, people younger than me and more immature than I am, which is oh, yeah, fine. And I went into high school ministry. Yeah, yeah so. I know. But at least you have <laughs> like adult coworkers. Like my coworkers are the same age as me, you know, um, and you're you're engaged. <laughs> and I've been dating someone for a month. And so it's been I've learned so much of, like looking back. It's so weird to look back at college and see just like little things like the time I would go to bed and the times that I would get up and how I wasted a lot of my time during the day. And now I feel like that I don't have enough time in every single day to do all the things that I want to do or need to do or read the things I need to read. Um, I feel like I'm the the real change for me has been formation. Like I feel like I'm very, uh, I mean, much more formed than I was when I was in college, spiritually, intellectually, humanly, um, all those things. And so, uh, the whole difference is just seeing like, what's, I, I feel like when I was younger, quote unquote, two years ago in college, I didn't really see like the possibility of how I could be living. And now I just see so like, I'm looking ahead and I'm seeing so much more potential because I'm seeing all of the ways that I still want to grow and all of the ways that I still want to learn. Um, and I feel like I didn't really see that when I was in college, which is weird. Cause you think that would be the time to really maximize, learning and growing. Um, and so being adult has taught me, uh, a lot about just the things that I think are important. Um, and the things that I want to put time into versus the thing, like I've really minimized the time that I waste, I guess is what I'm really trying to say. Like, I don't think, think it's important to waste time as much as I did when I was a kid. Um, and I think that's really changed a lot of how I approach a lot of different things now. One of the biggest things for me is like, even 
in high school. Like when I was a sophomore, I said I, I was at a Steubenville conference and I turned to my the, the ad got me. I turned to my youth minister and I was like, I'm going to go to Franciscan. And he was like, give it a few years. And I was like, no, nah, I'm just, I'm going to go to, I only applied to Franciscan. The video so of like, them playing Frisbee out on the yard and you were like, ah, oh, yes, out and, that's out on, what I want yeah, to do. Tossing disc on the piazza, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it felt like my life was on like a train track and I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing every year. Right. So I was, I was knew where I was going and, and like, now it's a little more it's a little in one sense it's more blue sky and in the other sense it's less blue sky right Cause it's like when i was younger i was like i can do anything and now that i'm an adult i'm like i know realistically what i can do but there's still a lot and you were talking about this on a couple episodes ago about like you feel like you're like oh there's li- there's things that are limiting now right there's like things that are going away that can't happen now and i, I feel that to an extent but like there are other opportunities that are opening up where it's like i didn't know that this was even a thing that i could do mm-hmm. you know um yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, th- yes. that's a real exciting time because it yeah. just all of a sudden you, you just you start to realize um, like I remember the first time ever I went to a bar um, as, as an adult like that was not a college bar with all with all with all of my um, with all my college friends and just kind of being a little called bit- an Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I know? <laughs> And it, just, it, I remember just kind of being like, "Oh wow, like this is kind of like I didn't like. How do I navigate this?" this is, and then <laughs> it just—I mean, it sounds Luke, Luke spirals like, into he, a crisis. Wait, no one's doing a cake <laughs> stand? What the hell, Applebee's no. lady? Luke's milestones consist of different bars that he's gone to. It's like the, the ghost of Christmas past, but with alcohol. I walked into this room and no one cheered. What the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Someone feed my need to be noticed. Yeah. Um, and then. Norm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was Norm at 20. Um, <laughs> and you were Cliff Clavin at 30. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were uh, like in their early 30s when they started on Cheers. It is insane. Yeah. It, uh, that's. I've never seen Cheers. Uh, change your life. It's so I'm, good. I may look like a man, but I'm a 13-year-old boy. I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have your balls even dropped yet? Oh, good one. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> Scandal. But like, and just you know, but and, and then like when you start to learn how to navigate that, and you're like, oh, like going on, like meeting um new people, like like this is really fun and like like going to a bar and be able to like um, meet all of these new people and just doing all these new things and seeing like like when you kind of like crack that code a bit and you go mm-hmm. oh like the matrix is now like open to me I can do all this like this is real and that that kind of only happens once in your life when you yeah. when, when you um, realize like all the potential stuff that like you can do right now. And you finally um, realize that it's, it's a really exciting thing. It's funny when you said that, like you said, I, I know my limits, but also I know where there aren't limits or something like that. Like that's like knowing yourself, right? You know yourself. So it's like, this is who I am for real. And now that I know that I have so much that I actually can accomplish. Whereas before it's like, I don't know who I am. Everyone else tell me, who am I? I can be, I can host the tonight show on NBC. (laughs) It's like, no, I can't do that. (laughs) You know, it's like, but I I do know that I can do other things that are much more fulfilling than that specific. Yeah. Like starting a, a, a life night. And calling it the Tonight Show, and you set it up as if you were on the Tonight Show. Honestly, I gotta be real. My kids would love that. They would think that's so funny. Um, 
So I have to be honest, adulthood, the, I feel like what people told me adulthood was going to be, I feel like they lied or at least they didn't realize what was going to happen. Because I was told when I was younger that like these are the times that like like my 20s and like my, my college years and my 20s are going to be the times when like I feel the most free and I feel the most like like what what could go wrong like everything is great you know but what i what i feel instead is like i feel like responsibilities and like stresses that don't need to exist exist in my life right like such as you guys were talking about um like gomer you talked about how you got into fire when you're like oh i have like kids now and i'm like in my middle i'm in my middle ages like i i need to get a retirement fund i'm stressed about my retirement right currently today good now and you should be yeah well fair right it's like that's a good thing yeah, to an extent yeah. right but like i'm more stressed about money than i should be mm. and i talk to i i i i think that the people that were adults when they told me that i wasn't going to be stressed when i was in my 20s i think they were remembering a time that no longer exists i feel like <laughs> me and my peers are all stressed about money even though they don't have to be. Uh, um, I don't know if I think that's that, true. I think we're... You well, know, I think that's because I'm not stressed about money, but that's, that's neither are you here nor eating, there. Are you eating your microphone right now? Is no. your microphone in your throat? <laughs> <laughs> there is so much noise I'm so sorry. From. I don't know what's, there what it the is. deal is. Let me back Remember, up a couple paces. On here, apparently, Gomer doesn't allow tiny, tiny mistakes. What happened <laughs> the last time we recorded is that my microphone was way, way louder than it normally is. Because normally I do have to eat the microphone when we record. But something about Skype, the the acoustics have changed. Yeah. My world is different. I'm an yeah. adult now. <laughs> it's a different room. Um, <laughs> thanks, Zuckerberg. <laughs> um, no, you know, I, he does, he does call big Mark Zuckerberg. Actually, yeah, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> I, I do get I, – I was very stressed out, of, stretched out? about money – Stressed out oh. about uh, money in my early 20s after college. Part of that was uh, just, you know, going through the recession and um, and just being oh, like, true. all this stuff is going, you know. I, I mean, I've talked about this at length on here, but, you know, um, like I had uh, like one job offer that was um, reneged. I had like two interviews that I was about to go to the last stages where they had to stop because they were going to, you know, and all, it was just like, what's like, this kind of like, oh my gosh, uh, these things are due and I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I mean, just, I mean, just being very, um, it was actually like really difficult. And I, I, I felt, and so, um, Pat, I, I, uh, kind of had that um, same thing of like, I didn't think this was going to be, I was just told like, you just get loans and then you get a job and you're fine. And all of a sudden there was like, well, these jobs aren't there. And that was, uh, that's actually, but the loans still are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Uh, and it was just fine. I mean, it's like, I'm the one who took them out. So, but it, 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 it is very, um, like it was horrible. It was, it was horrible. It was a horrible, terrifying experience to be like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and uh, I remember like being out in Houston, and I was thought I was going to move out of Denver, and because I had this job out there, and then like what well, was supposed to be like one month became two, and then three, and then four, and I think I was I'm probably there for about like I think like 
three months or so that I was like, I this, and then, then it finally like um, wasn't happening. And I was like, so like, and, and I just remember going home being like, God, I don't know what to do. Like I, I, I don't, besides like, I was, my plan was just, just was to perhaps like get a job at Dick's or something and just at Starbucks and try to, because I just did not know what to do, you know, and, uh, Dick's sporting goods or Dick's like a nightclub. Oh, can I tell you guys a story today about the ultrasound? <laughs> I feel like you're going to, but yeah. Okay, so oh, Aaron might be mad tell at me for telling this, tell but I kind of want to. Tell it. Okay, t- okay. The filter is good, so but do it anyway. We're having we're having a girl. Mm, yeah, we found that Wonderful. out. Yeah, very excited. We found that out, and so we're there, and so like Aaron goes, so is that the vagina? Like, like is like is that how you were able to tell? And the tech goes, no, actually, that's the clitoris. And I was like, tee like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Luke finally found it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to like. Yeah, I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that is beautiful. I was waiting to make that joke. I was sitting on it right so when he said yeah. oh. I was just so like, like. I just never heard someone say that so matter of factly. Like it, oh, like yeah. the tech, and I was just like, okay, we're just gonna move on. All right, yeah. so it's we're just not gonna we're just not gonna yeah. <laughs> pay attention to that. Now I can't tell my future mother in law I came on this podcast. I uh, I I don't necessarily. I think because I'm a missionary, I don't necessarily have, and I don't have any impending like vocational needs. You know, like I'm not engaged. I don't have any kids. And so money and those kinds of things are not as big of a factor for me right now. But I, the whole time you guys are talking, I was trying to think of like the biggest things that have changed for me. And I will, I mean, this is probably just because I'm a focused missionary and I have lots of time to do this, but I think like my prayer life and like developing a life of prayer that is going to last me when I do have a family and when I do have kids, um, is, is the best thing because I'm, I'm thinking if I had gone straight into the workforce right out of college, having the prayer life I had when I graduated, I just can't imagine like being in the place that I was. And so I don't know if that's a super, you can yell at me for that being a super focusy answer, but like at the same time, uh, it's, it's been absolutely incredible to develop and mature in, in that aspect of my life and be able to share it with other people because yeah, I I mean I know like money's important, right? And like being able to take care of yourself and pay off your loans and all that stuff is important. Um but at the same time there's this this whole other aspect that I've like just through reading and just through being able to spend time in the chapel and through evangelizing like it's it's a whole different ball game. And I uh, it's a ball game. I was playing in a one ballpark and then I I found out that there was a whole other ballpark out in ensconcing my current ballpark in four dimensions that I didn't know existed. And so now I'm <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how I fit into all this stuff. Um and I don't know if anybody else has experienced that at all on this podcast, but I just wanted to share that because I thought it was important. You know, it took me until my 30s and that was after years of doing youth ministry before I had a what I would say was a strong prayer life. And I got married at uh, 27. So I'm 10 years of marriage now. And I would say, I mean, like very seriously, like a consistency in my prayer life was strong in college, total flake in my 20s, got strong in my 30s. And 
the benefits to my spouse when we are clicking and firing on all cylinders is when I'm praying and getting up and doing my, my thing first, I get to protect her time for praying second because she always, you know, she sleeps in more. Um, and I, you know, I try to get the kids and do all that stuff in the morning so that when she wakes up, she can have her 20 or 30 minutes of silence and peace. And I tell people all the time, like, part of having a spousal spirituality is you have to, especially when you have kids, you have to defend their alone time with God. And it's on you to do that for each other. And if if you have, because, like, pe- people talk about, like, praying with each other and all that. And you need to do that. As a couple, there's nothing more awkward than teaching, you know, 50-year-old Catholic men and women to, like, actually take their hand and pray with each other. But also, like, your spouse's spiritual journey is your duty to protect. Like, to make sure that my wife, who's a stay-at-home mom and homeschools her kids and is not around adults every day, including when I come home, that she has to, uh, that was a joke, she has to deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> affirm, but like, affirm, like when, we're, when we're having a retreat, she's having like a, a woman's retreat or, you know, a, a silent retreat or whatever it might be offered, I need to be able to carve out that time for her and actually babysit my own damn kids, which is so difficult. I, don't, I mean, just video games, whatever, kids. Um, I'm sure there's beer in the fridge. But Let's that, just play the Gardens and, and the Galaxy cartoon while Daddy and Luke are past that on the couch. <laughs> yeah, basically, which really happened. Yeah, um, don't doubt it for a yeah. second. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then Luke just gave like, my, I think she was, I was six like, take at the, the phone, time. Cecilia. Take my phone. That was too, that was too specific yeah. to be like off the uh, cuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, that was a real. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy cartoon. I stayed <laughs> up till four in the morning two nights in a row, and I was like, I can't handle this. We <laughs> just sleep. And I was passed out tired what because I had to get up at five to go drive back to my church from downtown Houston to do the rite of reception into full communion for my RCIA folks. So I was done. And I was like, Luke comes in at 4.30 in the morning. He's like, I watched a guy give another guy a tattoo. And I was like, shit, I have to. <laughs> oh, right. in- oh, my And I was gosh. like, oh, I got to get up now, don't I? Dang it. Okay, I'm super pissed. The encounter after that year. So I didn't go to that encounter, but I heard about the ridiculous party, right? The next year, I went... And they shut down the pres- the suite that that party was in to, like, non-specific Ugh. people because of that party. I couldn't go up and hang out with my adore friends because I didn't have a black wristband. That's awesome. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It was awesome. Uh, I, I chit-chatted with uh, Katie McGrady, her husband, and Father Mike Schmitz in the presidential suite. And then as I uh, – <laughs> friend, they're friends of mine. Don't okay, worry about yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And as I left, the party came in, and I was like, oh, this looks fun. I'm going to bed. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny, though, is now I, – I, I, I say this, you know. I've been doing X's 94 uh, three weeks, so who <laughs> the hell knows? This but new I have phase a podcast. of my life, um, three weeks in, <laughs> yeah. that I've been cheating We're going to call this phase Chapter <laughs> 3, also known as Exodus 90. Go on. <laughs> uh, I think I could, like, I'm, I'm starting to see what – okay, so, you know, going back to, like, they won't uh, – 
on one question that you had that you had asked me about earlier, and I gave like the dumbest answer. What like one thing that I've started to learn is the cost of things. <clears throat> you know, so if I'm getting angry online, that's pulling me away from something, either my job, my spouse, you know, time, friends, you know, like it's. My attention that should be on this one thing is not because I'm obsessed with this other thing that doesn't actually matter. And yeah. I think for me, if if I were to be presented with that party again, part I mean it wasn't it was part was it was just really fun to just like hang out with everyone who was there, old and new friends. But then part of it is I just like that I just I'm love doing that, and I have like I don't know if if you know it's like FOMO, but it's just like I will all I'll, I will close this party. I've closed so many bars down; it's ridiculous. And um, but I'm at a point <laughs> so now. They call me Luke the Closer Carry. Oh my gosh! I was just gonna say that. Welcome to the crunch. Son. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! Oh. Come on, Ethan. You, you, you can uh, come, you can be on. I'm catching foxes now, full time. Uh Enjoy your 3,000 odd downloads, Gomer. (laughs) (laughs) See at the top. Damn it. That was a burn on everyone else. Yeah. Uh, Ethan, get get oh, ready for that sweet, sweet part. Me and, me money. and Luke are going to uh, be waving from the top 200 podcast list on iTunes, baby. <laughs> waving down. No, but like <laughs> Damn. Uh, the the point is that, is that like I now um, realize uh, like I want to like I don't want to drink a whole bunch anymore because the next day I'm exhausted, you know, and I, and I, I just, or I don't want to like, so I've really like over the past, probably I'd say year or so now, anytime I go, wow, which really isn't a lot anymore, but it's only about two, it's only about two drinks, which is actually kind of like a better experience, I think as a whole, because, um, I don't know. It just, uh, I like going to, I just, the, cost of that now is just too is too high so really like i think one like i think for 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 the most part people don't change until like it's too painful not um not to and i've you know hit that point and i'm i and i don't regret anything but it's just like this is but it has i'm changed now and i'm totally fine with that luke i went through the same thing uh, being here with college students, right? Because the temptation is to, oh, I'm a missionary. I'm here just to be with college students. So I'm going to be with them all the time because that's my job and I'm an extrovert. So why wouldn't I? Because I'm doing mission, right? Clearly me spending time with them until two in the morning is bringing them closer to the Lord, uh, which is not always true. And I had to learn that lesson my first year. And like, it's, it's the, the ability to say no provides so much freedom and yeah, you're like, everything has a cost. And even in other things too, like last week, my, my radiator broke and I had to go and get it fixed. And that had an effect on the Bible studies that I led and the people I was able to meet up with. Cause I didn't have a car. Uh, and that has a cost then on how generous I can be in other areas. Cause I had to spend $623 on a new radiator. And so th- these things, that's patreon.com slash the crunch, please. Um, but the, the, it's like trying to – I think what it all comes down to, and, and this is something we've talked about on the show and I'm sure you guys have talked about, is like do – especially in ministry and, and even in uh, your, your marriage, like do we trust Jesus to take care of the things that we can't take care of? Like do I trust that if I say no to this thing – 
that it's not the end of the world? Like, do I trust that I can't justify myself through my works? Because if I, if I believe that I can just go and do all these things and I'm dedicated to the practices, um, of prayer, of ministry, of my marriage and not actually dedicated to the person, um, of the Lord or my spouse or whatever, then it's, it all falls apart because we were just taking it all on ourselves. And so I think that's where a lot of people fall short in lots of different areas. And that's where I fall short every freaking day. And it is really frustrating because I just want to, I want people to know the Lord. And then I get super pissed at myself because I, you know, miss a holy hour one day and I'm like, Oh, I'm the worst missionary ever. And it's like, do I actually trust God to take care of things or not? You know? And (laughs) yeah, I, you're just talking about like going to bars and then having a cost on other things. But I've been, I just view that in terms of like, every time I say no to something, I feel like I'm saying no to mission. I feel like I'm saying no to, uh, evangelization and ministry. Um, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. just, it's really tough, you know? Well, and it's, so, and especially just with in ministry where when that's your job and it, it's combined, uh, it's combined um, with your faith. You like how we spend so much time talking about our moral choices and how, and you know, like how, and, um, and how we live our lives that it can almost be exhausting that, and it, it gets to this point where it's almost, you, you almost feel as if your life is really a little more about talking about life than opposed to, you know, act like actually living. And that's, yeah. And, and that's, and that's hard. That can actually be like, that's, you know, um, and I think when it comes to like ministry and stuff, and when you're experiencing that, it gets tied into like your whole foundational worldview and like who you are as, as a person. And that's can get really exhausting, really, Quick, so I think you've you've like really hit on something there that's actually pretty important, which is that um that ability to trust God and just kind of like I'm gonna let go and say I'm I, I I'm not off the clock, but there's nothing I can do about this now, you know, and like I've got to go to bed. It's your, you know, I, I guess there was like um uh, some pope who would always say I'm going to bed now, God. It's like your church, you like you handle the problems. Yeah, <laughs> I need John to the, sleep. John the twenty third. He'd be like when he's just racked with anxiety you'd be like okay giuseppe whose church is this yeah that's what that's right giuseppe go back to bed <laughs> that's my uh oh, giuseppe, family giuseppe. guy family guy version you so <laughs> oh, fa- oh giuseppe oh giuseppe you so handsome <laughs> you mentioned something about uh talking about life and not living it and i think that it's not just uh it's not just uh, siloed in ministry or in um, podcasts. I honestly, I think we all do this oh, on social media. Tying this back to what we were talking about earlier. I think Twitter and even to a lesser extent, like Instagram and Facebook, and other, they're like life sharing. It's like you stop your life for a second to like provide mm-hmm. commentary. And so you remove yourself from it. But then it sucks you in because it's designed to do that. And so it removes you from your life, and instead we debate about the best way to live, and we talk about the best way to live, or we talk about the best things to believe, right? But we don't spend any time believing or living that way, you know? Oh, baby. I don't know. I'm just no, trying no, to tie no. this conversation no, back go, to Pat. the other one. Because this, <laughs> this goes along with the text that we got from Father Harrison this morning. I woke up I woke up this morning, and I had t- 23 text messages from Father Harrison, clerically speaking, because he was reading Ratzinger and decided to just go off. And... He's talking about how 
we get we get so focused on methods and programs and all all the things that everybody who's savvy knows to dunk on because it's the cool thing to do but the the reason that uh the early church was so successful in growing um so rapidly is because they lived in communion and they weren't worried about how they were living in communion they weren't worried about explaining living in communion they weren't trying to convince anybody to live in communion with a program they were they were just living and so the question then becomes like we, I feels like then reading that text that he was saying he was just trying to you know work out some thoughts of of what he was doing as a pastor but then I'm looking at my life and I'm saying, do I spend most of my time trying to convince people to live or do I spend most of my time inviting people to live with me? I, yeah, like, I like what you said, Luke. We talk a lot about our moral choices. We talk a lot about our moral decisions. And that bleeds into social media where we're just – it's all talking about things. Like you can't live on social media. We know that. We can't live on the internet as much as we would love to because the internet is where – as much as Cyber Chase would have us believe. Yeah, yeah Cyber Chase, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, this is how it feels when you guys make references to the Wonder Years or whatever. <laughs> you leave Winnie Cooper alone. Yeah. What would you do if I sang, if I sang out of tune? Would you stand yep. up and uh-huh, yep. out yeah. Yeah. Shut up, scrote. Shut up, scrote. <laughs> hey, you guys remember? You guys remember when Gilbert Gottfried was a was an electronic bird on a children's show on PBS? Because you don't, but that was on Cyber Chase. You guys remember I Love Lucy, the original the old air days, dates of you know? I Love Lucy? Get out of here! Yes. No. Yeah, I still, <laughs> mind you, have a twin size bed separated by a nightstand, and then another twin size bed, <laughs> so me and my wife can sleep comfortably. Chased. Thank you. Do you know what Purity. I like about that show that I, I always find to be curious now as an adult? I've actually had this thought because all I have is like an inner is an inner monologue. Uh, <laughs> their friends, like Ethel and that dude, were so much older than them, like by a good yeah. thirty years. Yeah, no kidding. They were their best huh. friends who were always there. I don't have like Aaron. I don't have um friends like at like that kind of a level who are um thirty years older. If you want to prove that you can have friends that are 30 years older than you, just look at this podcast right now. Oh! <laughs> oh. Uh, 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 uh. Hey, why don't you... Just, I'm just kidding. That was fine. No, uh, do it. Say it. No. To destroy us. <laughs> I, I was going to say, <laughs> why don't you guys call uh, call Par again and try to, like, and try to unwrap our coattail hey, for the 10th time? Direct that all to Patrick. <laughs> How did you know I did that? Did they reach out to you? Did no, they tell you, you about me. that? Oh yeah! Not only did Patrick <laughs> right after that episode, I, I I I emailed them and I was like, "Hey, I heard you guys want a faith. I want a faith category. Have I got? A, have we got a show for you? <laughs> That's awesome." And then oh, they listened to one episode that. and they were like, uh, "Oh, you must be Uh-oh. you must be referring to a different show. Surely mm-hmm. it couldn't be that. You must be referring to a different yeah. show." Holy cat! Uh, holy crap! <laughs> like Catholic Twitter is just filled with people who didn't choose chastity. Chastity chose them. <laughs> A lot of neck beards. How dare you? I'm proud of my neck beard. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, uh, what the hell is the point of this? Where are we going? I was talking about communion, and then you, somebody started making fun of me, and oh, it's okay. We're, we're back. We're back. No, that's fair. Sorry. No, but, but I think that, <laughs> like, um, shoot, I had a good point, and then now, and then it was gone. That's, Ethan was talking about uh, inviting people to live instead of just talking, instead of convincing Which, 
I feel guilty because I feel like that's Gomer's job that I'm dunking on, but I, I'm not trying to. I don't okay. think so because I, when you said that, it reminded me of a, a literally a talk that I gave to my mm. high school students. I actually felt like I was inviting them, and it, it felt like different than most of my not most, but like a few of my talks that I've given that have kind of fallen flat. I'm like, why did that fall flat? Um, I felt like I was sharing a part of myself with them, even though it was many, like many kids at one time, I still felt like I was saying, here's how I've lived my life. And I want you to live this way too. It kind of felt the reason I talked that way was I just went to mass and the, um, the second reading was Paul saying like, I did not come with words of wisdom or sublimity. I came with fear and trembling. Right. And it's like, I told them, I was like, I hope that I've, I've come that way to you guys showing you that I am weak, but this is how like I live my life now. And this is what Christ has done in me. And that felt more convincing. And that felt more convicting than me saying, you know, we really need to start trusting God. <laughs> you know, it, it, it sounded, it Who sounded a lot more like that are going sounded, to lower you into the house on the stretcher. It's really interesting. It's very, um, hip now to you know crap on the church of the 80s and the 90s and then you know like and rightly so. the early aughts but uh there was during that period there's a big emphasis on community and then like one of the tensions that you see especially when you have older like like older uh or like priests and pastors and i've um, and i've experienced that at, at like a couple other events where there is like um, a, a huge emphasis on your own relationship with like with god they'll always say like they'll always try to um, bring it back to uh like it's through god and the church and you'll you know like others and stuff and i mm-hmm. think that um of course we need to have our own personal um, relationship with christ but they are they are a right when they when they um talk about like we experience god in community so it's not just uh, it's it's you know like isn't just uh you know god and me it is like god and me and all these people and like he's there and that's where and this is the thing that like god is kind of doing in my own life um right now is i'm starting to see that he is really calling me to experience him in you know the living church like in mm-hmm. in people and i think when if um because I, 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 I guess um, what I'm saying is I think that like they're kind of right about that, that it's very easy to get caught up in this almost uh, weirdly Protestant. I don't even know like which I'm a sect of uh, me and the Jesus. Protestant church. Yeah, there's like yeah. a me and Jesus and it doesn't matter. And it's like, well, it kind of does because that's actually where God is. Yeah, I don't think that the, the I don't think the folly or the error in the community focused church was in their over it wasn't an overemphasis it wasn't an incorrect emphasis on community it was like it wasn't an overemphasis of community it was an underemphasis of communion right it was like focused around the pancake instead of the eucharist um just pancake breakfast i think that i i and i i there's a really awesome church we're seven churches that are together my parishes and there's one parish that's like you can tell they have a different energy than the others they're much more excited about they were went in the beginning they were much more excited about merging they were they're much more excited about church in general and i think it's because they have like consistent community events all the time and 
the one thing that makes them different from the other churches, because the other churches have community events all the time as well, right? It's like they have, we, the other churches have fish fries, they're Italians, they love cooking, right? They always have these festivals and stuff. But for some reason, this parish seemed more on fire than the others. And I think it's because they emphasized at the same time, like eating together and being together, but then also praying together. Um, and they didn't cheapen the word fellowship to mean socials and quote unquote pre-evangelization. They used the word fellowship to mean living life together and like praying together. They're the only church in our, in our grouping that did small groups where they got together and like talked about their lives. I think that made them a more vibrant and more faithful community than the others. I think too, uh, at least looking at this on, from the angle of on the college campus, is that when it comes to like what you were talking about, Luke, in the 80s and the 90s, right? The the reason that you could have community and focus on community in that aspect is because there was really no other option. Like, yeah, you had TV, but there were only like four channels, you know? And <laughs> and now... Uh, it's the 80s we're talking about, not the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Regardless. Yeah. There was cable. 120 channels. And nothing was on. And and now I'm I'm seeing right now there's a large a seismic shift between the the senior class right now in college and the freshman class because the senior class they got iPhones when they were 17, 18 and the freshman class got iPhones when they were 12. And I think I mean obviously that has a lot of ramifications that I don't necessarily know, but I do know that adolescence is a very important time to figure out how to be in community with people other than your family. That's when you start looking for your affirmation outwards rather than uh, within your own um, family group. And so thinking about like why we're struggling and why this turn has happened, I get to just see it sort of played out very realistically of the, the true reality is, and I think this is something the church is going to have to face in the next 10, 20 years, is that I, my, most of my daily job is spent teaching people how to be friends is spent teaching people how to have conversations with each other. Like I thought I was going to become a missionary yeah. so that I could, you know, talk about the Lord and, uh, <laughs> you know, lead people in prayer and those kinds of things. But it's the problem is more fundamental because like how can you expect somebody to understand friendship with God when they can't even understand friendship with each other? How can you expect to have communion? How can you expect to have a community of faith when people don't seek it out because they have everything that they need, you know, in their dorm room? And so it's something that really worries me. And like already, like we're talking about the shift has been happening for the past 80, 90 years and some churches get it. But I think as uh, older people start to get older and the people that have been raised have been born since, you know, 1999, that's the year I'm looking for. The people who have been born since 1999 are starting to become more and more of the members of the parish. Uh, it's it's going to get really, really hard for people in church work to even begin because nobody knows friendship anymore. It's kind of terrifying. One of the interesting things I heard on that mind pump podcast, he was contrasting why is it like men's health is so dramatically lower um, today than it was, you know, X amount of years ago. And he used the, the eighties as um, when they did these strength tests among uh, 16 year old boys Mm. or maybe 18 year olds. And they had to do um, these hand tests, you know, like squeezing, resistance, whatever. And um, they said that the men of today are, they have the hand strength and the arm strength 
of a 50-year-old man in the 80s. Wow. That that's how bad it's gotten in terms of the lack of movement, the lack of energy, the lack of exercise. And they said the fascinating part about this is our consumption of entertainment has changed to where it's hyper-personal, right? It's like my phone in my hand. But he said, no one, like, okay, so let's say you had a TV and you were going to watch TV. Like, all you had was cable television, maybe, at best. And you're going to, be- and, and literally, the phrase, there's nothing good on after 11. You Like, maybe you had your shows. Maybe you liked The Late Show or The Late Late Show. But there really wasn't, like, it wasn't a lot of stuff. And now, because everything's on demand... If I want, and it's 9 o'clock, I can binge six episodes of um, Parks and Recreation and not even think twice about it. And now it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, whoa, crap. But, the, but like that didn't exist. I mean, just think about that. Like, 100 years ago, if you wanted to hear music, you had to play it mm-hmm. or know someone who did. Yep. And, and if it, you know, 50 years ago, it, or the 70 years ago in the 1950s, if you wanted to stay up all night for a reason, chances are that reason involved usually someone of the opposite sex, but it usually involved being, what? being uh, the uh, math. Um, it usually multiplication <laughs> wink. It usually, <laughs> it usually involved being with other people. Yeah. Now it involves being more and more alone mm. to the point where the difference between a dad who grew up um, and his, his first job was a roughneck on an oil rig and now his son's a roughneck on the oil rig, 27 days on an oil rig, doesn't know the names of his coworkers. And his dad's like, well, don't you hang out and play cards and watch movies together? And he's like, no, I got a big screen TV, internet, super high-speed internet, and a free Netflix account in every room. He's like, we go, oh, we go to the cafeteria, we get our food, and we go back. Like, we don't talk to each other. And he's like, How? you're on an oil rig. He's like, well, we talk to each other during work, but... I don't want to be with those guys all day. And he's like, that was the best part of being in your 20s. You were <laughs> hanging out doing this crazy job in the middle of the ocean. And you had these really cool, weird, crazy guys that you're playing cards with. And, and it, no, and they doesn't even know their name. I just had dinner with a name. guy who who kind of gets it uh, a bit more. And he was talking about, like, the thing that we need is just more people to be stupid. Like everything is so safe and sanitized and er- there's lots of – there's a whole list of things that are acceptable. You know, like you can really love The Office and you're good to go and you can be addicted to your phone and that's fine. You can watch hours of TikTok compilations and that's great. Like you are – you'll fit right in. Um, but the minute that you try to – you get a group of people together and you try to do something a little off the wall, a little crazy, which is what we all you know, like to do, um, get, you know, get up on a table and dance or whatever – but the the thing is is people don't do that anymore either because they don't think of it because they they don't they aren't bored enough to come up with anything creative or they're just scared of it being recorded and put all over the place and so we have this dual problem of this thing can record every my every single move so there's no point in me ever trying anything even a little bit out of line or why would i need to come up with anything new when i could just have everything that's ever been come up with right in front of me um, it's just, yeah, we need, it's just, it's weird to say like, we need more idiotic things to happen. Um, but it's <laughs> prudent, uh, stupidity, I think is my, yeah, you need more boredom. Exactly. Yeah. You we need, need more, more boredom. boredom. Exactly. Yeah. And I think this is something that 
So, like, have you guys read Brave New World? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. It's yeah. been a while. I read it recently. I read it, I read it like a couple days ago. And because this other book was contrasting Brave New World in 1984 yeah. and how, like, or- George Orwell thought that we were going to be destroyed by totalitarianism. We were going to be destroyed by the things that hate us, that we hate. But Huxley believed that we would be destroyed by the things we love too much. Yeah. What book was it that you read? It was uh, uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. Yeah, that is yeah. so good. So good. That Luke, is let's so do an entire podcast in that book. So good. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Such a good book. No, All right. amazing. Um, so the thing that Huxley got wrong is he believed that, like, because he lived in a time when entertainment was always communal. Mm-hmm. And so his book focused on community too much. It focused on, like, this warped version of community, right? Where, like, the only thing they do is they get together and they watch a three-dimensional, four-dimensional movie, right? They Or they have an orgy, right? Like, there's all this, there's all this like, this, um, this debauchery and, like, drug use, right? But it's all for the purpose of... Um, of of being like in in a community right and then the one the one guy is kind of like heretical because he wants to be alone the problem that we're finding now is not loneliness it's silence there's a lack of silence there's too much noise right you're weird if you're silent the 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 book focused more on the fact that these people have too much sex in the wrong way and they consume too much media but honestly the soma drug where they like they take it and they're in this like this peaceful holiday state where they don't get a hangover when they wake up, they can't get addicted to it. Right. Well, they kind of do. Um, it has perfectly like neutral properties. Right. But it makes you feel so good. I think that is the one thing that he got right. That with the media thing, like I think that's what the cell phone became. I think that's what technology became for us is it's this neutral, completely customizable state where we apparently neutral, where we, go into it and we're like completely isolated but we feel fine right it's like this state of fine that we feel and we think it doesn't affect us but then we go away for it like that one character she was exiled not exiled but she was lost and she she was like just she wanted to get back to the world state so badly purely because of the drug that was the thing she missed the most she didn't care about the sex she didn't care about the entertainment she just wanted the drug again i think that's that's the that's the thing that came true. That and eugenics. And, and now you're the outcast if you really want community above everything else. Like I, yeah, I had a bunch of people over to my house a, a while ago, and they're just an event had just wrapped up at the Newman Center, and I said, "Hey, everybody, come on over," because that's in my mind, like in my college experience, that's just what you did. Is if you went to an event, everybody kind of hung out afterwards at someone's house, or you kind of dispersed into your friend groups, and you, you spent time together in people's homes. Yeah. The after exactly. after party. And we got to my house and this is kind of when I realized that I was up against something that totally different that I wasn't expecting. And everybody kind of looked at me and said, well, what do we do now? And I was like, what do you mean? What do we do now? We, we hang out and I, we play yeah. games. <laughs> we we stand now. on furniture and we sing Shania Twain. What else are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so now it's it's strange because you're looked at Uh-oh. as. Come on. Well, you know what we're going to do. Let's put on the office. <laughs> yeah, you're looked at as strange if, if you value um, community and friendship above, um, you know, things like studying or 
my personal yeah. entertainment just, it's or the, whatever. Yeah. It's 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 the mass culture that's killing us. It's the mass everything, the mass entertainment, the mass media, the mass news, the new mass, the mass diet, the new mass, the Novus, <laughs> the Novus Ordo. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, it, my it, own mass. It really is, right? Like, it's all of this stuff that's just tailor made to the worst parts of us. Go sit in your room and, you know, consume pornography. Even if it's not pornography, everything's becoming pornographic and it's like base movement into your, into your cranium. And it's like, oh, all is lost. But there is a lot of people rejecting that. There's a lot of people who are getting out in nature. A lot of people are getting out and doing things. And I do find I do find great comfort in that. Like I think human nature while being attacked by billions and even trillions of dollars in interest is like, yeah, but at the end of the day, I can just turn it all off and walk out my door and go to a park and I'm and it's not that I'm fine, but there's a reason why our stress levels start to go down when we're with nature and there's a lot of people who are just like, this is making me sick. Let's go away from this. I think it is I think it is perfectly healthy for people to just to do the Exodus 90 thing where it's like for three months, no more, no more um Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. No more. Three months. Get it out of your system. Let the dopamine go away. Let your body settle. You know, I, I think we need that. I, I think we need that. I think we need a cleanse. What I've what I've seen from these younger kids, right? I, I have these conversations with parishioners all the time. Is like, you know, kids these days and their cell phones. I'm like, yeah, I know. Why are you telling me this? I know. It's in my pocket. I've wanted to check it two times since you walked up and you just walked up. Yeah, I know. You don't need to tell me that the kids are addicted to their phones. They all know they're addicted to their phones. Whenever I have small groups with my eighth graders, they're like, yeah, I need to pray more. I just can't stop scrolling. And they just, they don't know how to get out of it. That's like that. Those are the conversations we need to have next. Right. And I'm just saying, we don't need to have that conversation here because my eighth graders are not listening to this podcast. You better not be, I'm just kidding. But, um, we need to have that conversation next is how do we get unaddicted? And I think that, I think <laughs> patreon.com slash CF kids, <laughs> patreon.com slash CF. Get them while they're young. Yeah. I'll just. I'll add this really quick. I think it's really funny. Like I remember being in the meeting like five years ago with a couple of youth ministers here, and we were um, we were talking about this. So, like what's coming in ministry, it's not having to like talk to them about a personal relationship with God, but about what is a relationship. Yeah, and then to like I'm here, you guys. I'm saying that I'm like wow. So it's it's finally happened. It's here, and we thought that maybe it'll actually get easier to be a youth minister because there'll be such a need for for authentic relationship mm-hmm. that the gospel will actually become more attractive because it just it it is that authentic um, thing that they just can't replicate elsewhere but you know but I, I I Going back to your point, Pat, about you know the pill and all, like um, all the soma stuff from Brave New World, it um, it's so easy to just like you know plug in and uh, like what I've learned from Exodus ninety and again the three weeks that I have been doing it, like uh, my life is actually fine without this stuff. Yeah, you know it's fine. I don't need to be, you know, and that's um, honestly, 
uh, it is nice, but it's also kind of like, so then, like, why do I do this in the first place? And I don't, I don't really know what that answer is yet, but... Get that like, sweet, sweet dopamine release. Or endorphin yeah. rush if you're on Twitter. You, well, it's just like, angry. Like, why do you... Yeah, like, why... Because none of it's um, necessary, right? Like, this is what you're getting is that, like, we yeah, don't have yeah. to do it at all. Like, not, like it, but yet we're convinced that we need to. Yeah, because we were but, told to. We were told to. We were told by, by the, the by very who? people... By all the influencers and advertisers. I mean, that's the thing you hear all the time. Oh, you want to grow your engagements. You want to sell your product. Do it online. You got to get a Facebook. Get a group going. Get your Instagram. How's your Twitter? What's your feed like? Blah, blah, blah. You got to post twice a day. Have you ever thought about starting a YouTube channel? You you just watch one YouTube video on how to grow your (laughs) YouTube views. You got to post every day. You got to have five minute videos. Up, oh, new algorithm switch. You got to have 30 minute videos. You got to do this. You got to do that. When you watch enough YouTube videos of independent creators, you see them, how they change their content to try desperately to meet with the algorithm and to get those upvotes from the algorithm. I mean, that's all they do, right? The thing, they add content when the algorithm says, oh, we want longer stuff. They shrink it. Like, it's so funny how it happens, but you can see it mapped out. But if you, if you want to start a business, a side hustle, how many of your MLM friends are advertising constantly on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? It's because you're told to. That's how you grow your business. You turn your friendships. I unfollowed all of my friends on Facebook. Right, you, <laughs> right because you feel like they just cheapened your friendship. Like you've reduced my friendship with you to a commodity. And even though they yeah. believe in it, and that's great that they believe in it, right? Like we're big fans of Usborne. We don't sell it. We have a friend that does. But we have personally purchased so many Usborne books that a friend who sells them comes to our house first and gathers our books to use as the displays to sell her books, right? Like that's like, but we love it and we talk about it and we recommend it, but we don't, I don't I'm not selling anything. The other patreon.com slash CF. The other thing is that, I mean, we are taught to that, but there's a reason why we're told this stuff. There's a reason why the Silicon Valley CEOs, kids, don't have cell phones until they're in high school. There's a reason why Steve Jobs forbid his family from having an iPod or iPhones for, their, for his kids. There's a reason why they send all these rich elite people out in these places. They lobby the public school systems to get one iPad per child, one laptop per child. But for their own kids, they send them to nature classrooms where literally kindergartners and preschoolers are just outside all day, even when it's rainy. They have whole documentaries on this. It's because they want to sell you something. And if they can beat your self-worth down enough, they can sell you anything in the promise to pick it up. And that is the, I mean, that is the point. Like it shouldn't be, I mean, you can go back literally in the 1920s and 30s and the 1880s, and you can read the capitalists of our country saying all the eugenic stuff that was that was talked about in Brave New World. Like we want, yeah. we know the upper class should not have to deal with the masses, so we will deliberately set our public education to screen out those who should go to college, those who shouldn't, and that worked for a time. But then college became, oh wait, we can make money off of them, and so college yeah. inflation was like six times higher than national inflation. Why? Because it became a consumer good for the masses now. And it just keeps, I mean, like, this is how 
they do it. It's Friday night, and they're going to steal your money. <laughs> like, that's programmed. You, you, tomorrow, you could stop Twitter, stop Facebook, stop Instagram. Tomorrow, you could walk away from all of it. You could have your website that people don't get addicted to. You can have your podcast that people don't get addicted to because it comes out once a week and there's minimal interaction. You can even have your Patreon page where people can go on and interact and it's not addictive because you're not ga- you don't have gamification going on there. And you can build a business like that without destroying people's craniums. But you can't build a trillion dollar business that way. And this is Apple too. I mean, Apple's just as guilty as all the rest, like mass culture. Eats oh yeah, the difference between my old iPhone. I had an, I had the same iPhone for five years. I switched to like one of the newer ones because like we got an upgrade or something. And the difference in how much I use my phone now that I got the newer one is just so much higher. Like the, they make them more addictive as they go. And I went from like a less addictive one to like a super more addictive one. Make a black it was and white. Nuts. Make a black and white. Right away, it's a three click on the my. The first thing you do is <laughs> switch it to grayscale. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It really makes me sad because I was uh, talking with uh, Kevin Hyder about this last uh, last night about like how Disney um, their whole thing was like we make movies. We hope our movies. Uh, we hope that they make money to make more movies. Now that was what um, Walt Disney uh, would say, and he was in charge of the creative side then you ha- then you had his brother um, Roy who was in charge of the business side so he you know so um Roy Disney which sounds like the made up name of someone who's saying that's who invented Disney <laughs> I know right <laughs> like no one knows no because it, it's it was totally a two person shop but um yeah uh, like Walt could say that because Walt was in charge of the creative side, you know, and that's all that he had to worry about. But then I and I just got done with uh, with uh, Bob Iger's book, and he was and he, and he kind of um hints at this, but like basically they're taking over everything. Yeah, and it 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 kind of sucks. <laughs> like it kind of sucks. Yeah, and like I like. I like the fact that there is a Disneyland and that you like have the movies and it, you know, ties in, but I don't want entertainment to be Disney. And I'm like, this isn't, and I, there's this, um, and that's the Scorsese line about, you know, the Marvel movies being like an amusement park. It's great. It's an amusement park, but it's not cinema. (laughs) Well, and, and I just like, there's this, um, uh, I know some people are going to be mad about this, but I'm just trying to like unwork this out. There's been this change in in um, business over the past um, half a century, where things have become more driven by um, by finance. So this idea of like if we get um, save money on um, here, we're going to like reduce cost, or we're gonna like you know close down this plant here and this is going to help like this like this like balance sheet right like I'm um, right here and we'll all make more money and like what has that done to certain people and, and how they view on businesses and like you know all and um, all these other things and I don't know where I'm going with this but the 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 point is that when it's so like when you don't think about like what you're doing or like how you're doing it you just care about this whole like bottom line of approach that is so dehumanizing yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it and so like at some point in time we just have to be able to tell on disney like when is enough yeah. enough like this is helping your balance sheets and that's great but 
Like, you're destroying culture. You ruined Star Wars. By what you're doing. You ruined Star Wars. But, but yeah. I mean, like, I think about go. it, though. Yeah. Star Wars now sucks. Yeah, yeah and their like, whole thing that sucks. they said was, we realize what we did wrong. We pressed the release of the movies too quickly without letting it mature in our minds. And it's like, of course you did. Because you're the machine. Like, this is what you do. You produce things at an incredible rate with incredible amounts of money because you know you're going to make a billion dollars off of a movie of men wearing tight-fitting clothing. But, like, what – what? so, yeah, this is all bad. But, like, I could go not see a Disney movie, and instead of them making a billion dollars, they make a billion dollars minus six. And so it's like – and we could talk. We could tell everybody in this podcast not to go watch. And then you invest that six dollars <laughs> into, into a, VTSAX uh-huh, into a four hundred three B. But you. But and we could get everybody on this podcast to not do that. And then they would lose a billion dollars minus sixty thousand or whatever. And so it's like, which is it's nothing. It's dropping the bucket. And so I my problem is not for me, right? Because I'm convicted, right? I believe in everything that we're saying. I believe in everything we're talking about. I believe that there's personally like what we do matters but when we're talking to other people right they see the futility they see how big these brands are and they see like you some one of you must have mentioned it of like the brands that we trust most are like the commercial brands and not the the nonprofit ones uh or the churches anymore you know like people trust oreos Mm -hmm. more than they trust the catholic church sometimes rightfully so but like the so like how do i how do we then go and talk to people about these things and say, like, you can't keep trusting Disney with your money and your eyes and your brain. You can't keep trusting, trusting Apple with your money and your eyes and your brain. Like, how do, do – will they be convinced by us or will they just say, ah, oh, you're just a bunch of, you know, overly religious, overly Christian, you know? Like, oh, Ethan, that's nice for you. You Luddites. pray all the time. Yeah. You know? Like, but I don't want that. I want uh, – feels futile. When – when – unbridled like industry happens right did you guys watch the pharmacist on netflix no 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 it's a it's not it's not exactly true crime but it's about the opioid crisis in new orleans in 2001 and it actually takes place in my mom's hometown but it's crazy because she's like i don't remember it being this bad but like it's the crack epidemic happened in the 80s and then in 2001 uh you have the opioid epidemic and it's because oxycontin was being prescribed just Candy. like all the time and knowing, being knowing for everything. And the company knew how incredibly yeah. addictive it was and they didn't care the company one of the greatest lines in the in the documentary was like they said it was less addictive compared to what itself <laughs> yeah it was time released it was a time released pill all you had to do is crush it up boom it's not time released anymore right and so this this one doctor, right? This one doctor was giving, just handing out prescriptions. She handed out like thousands upon thousands of prescriptions a day, and she basically got like most of the south, south of the most of the opioid addictions in the South of America happened because of this one doctor supplied by this one pharmaceutical company, and the pharmaceutical company was fined six hundred million dollars, but the the family that owned the company was worth $16 billion. (laughs) We're all going to die. Right? Right? Like, that's nothing. That's the best that the government could have. And the doctor got three years probation. That's the best we could do. What is happening? Right? Like, what can we do? 
companies are nation states now. They're global empires. It we it's too late. <laughs> we just need to hold our families close. <laughs> Pretty soon we'll all be going to school wearing like NASCAR jumpsuits that are just covered yes. in advertising. You know, those are cool. <laughs> um, and they're flame retarded. That's true. That's true. But heard this guy talking about um, how, why he, he's an investment, investment guy and he doesn't invest in the stock market. He says, I can't. It's so immoral and awful. I don't think as a Christian I could do it. But I'll tell you what I do. I invest in the businesses in my neighborhood. And then he starts talking about how he does it. And I'm like, holy crap, this is incredible. He goes, I invest local because if the local guy starts doing something shady, I can have a conversation with him and he'll listen. And even if he disagrees with me, I can then pull my money and it will have an effect. But if Disney does something shady, which is the only thing they do now, if they do something shady... Who cares? It's just $6 out of a billion, you know? And so you want to go where you have impact, but also where you can literally save souls and lives and livelihoods. And I just found that so fast. Like, I'm like stuck on this idea. Like, I'm fascinated with what that guy said. But So it's not well, all the problems, but it's, it's local problems. Yeah. And those matter too. Yeah. It's tough because I think quite often when you want to ha- when you want to have this when you want to have this conversation, it's it's like always like framed in a way where, where people are saying capitalism is like is um bad or it's Reno. Like that kind of um drives me nuts because I love business. I think it's fascinating. Like we have our own side business, which is which you know is which um is this podcast, and it's really fun. I love it. I love doing it. I, I love. I'm thinking about like how can we make more money with this. It's it's. I'm not that business is bad. It's it's or that it is you know inherently bad. But if we don't understand that our entire culture has thrown away the gospel and it like has replaced it with like with this just on the techne like aspect, it's all about like what can I make and do and how and and, and like um, and stuff that I can control. It is extremely easy to be blind to all these really crazy problems. Mm-hmm. And and be, because we think, oh, like you're just some weird hippie who doesn't like um business, which helps, you know. I mean, like think about the the fact that like l- like what has given more people health like healthcare over the entire world? It's been capitalism, or that has improved the standard of like living, or or, or there's been a lot of good stuff that has that has come about because of it. But we don't. But, like, so many of us are just blind to the fact that, like, we are an agnostic, atheistic, almost anti-atheistic culture now. And it, like, it can it, – it's going to impact your um, worldview. Uh, Luke, not to be that guy, but the reason that capitalism gives health care to so many people is because capitalism robbed the church of the ability to provide health care. So – <laughs> just yeah that's fair <laughs> what do you what do you mean by that as in um i i went to to a lecture on this about how governments started to wrest uh health away from the churches because in uh as modernity progressed further and further along and we got out of the medieval ages and closer to to modern day um Governments and businesses started to take away health care from the monasteries and, and uh, the church because it wasn't making anybody any money. And so they started to implement policies and procedures that no longer allowed the church to have the, the reach and the influence 
um, that it once did, especially in healthcare. Because, I mean, we all know that healthcare was invented by the church, right? There wouldn't be hospitals without the church. There wouldn't be, you know, people caring for other people because it was a, it was a thing that the community would do, right? They read the gospels. They say, Oh, I need to take care of the sick. Let me go help out at the hospital that my local church has founded. And now it's become purely an institution of business where the profits are sky high. And I can't walk over to my hospital and help the sick and, you know, help out a, a, a doctor or a priest or a nun whose whole job is to care for the sick and the poor. Um, he didn't go into super detail, but it made a lot of sense to me. You know, and there's another, I mean, like, just look at how they are destroying the family, mm-hmm. right? Like the more state you have, the less you need the church, a family, oh, yeah. a stable family. And then, yeah. And these other stable institutions by which we frame our life. And what's his name? Um, Carl Jung was not. He was an atheist, but he said, like, we we don't know what we're doing when we're getting rid Because humans are animals that have to worship something. And the fear is we're going to put something terrible in the place of the church. You know, we're going to put, uh, 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 you know, which happened. Uh, we're going to put a uh, Hitler. But the Hitler, people didn't love Hitler. They loved the ideas that surrounded Nazism and the symbolism and all the promise that was... You know, like, oh, the only reason why we're bad is because of all these other things. We get rid of the other things, a.k.a. people, and then, you know, the true Germany will be good. The the true Volks, right? But the idea is, like, we all worship something. We need to worship something. And we are playing with fire when we think, ah, no. Like, I like what you said, Luke. We don't live in an atheistic age. We live in an anti-theistic age. And uh, there's a great line from Chesterton where he talks about modern man moves a stone that was an ancient landmark because he doesn't understand why it's there. And it's like modern man doesn't know what he's doing because he doesn't know what he's undoing. And that is the line of thought that I, I keep seeing. Like when you have people on the right, and this is the critique of the more integration or um, integralists and other distributists and stuff is so often capitalism is aligned with the state. And it is a false dichotomy to say, oh, it's the state versus private enterprise. or the Private st- enterprises are states. <laughs> yeah, well, they are now. This is, they are now. <laughs> but the idea is, like, right at its core... Try arguing with Verizon on your phone. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the idea of it is, like, they are two sides of the same coin... And on the the opposite of it is not the state or business, it's the family, and and the local and the real, and that doesn't exist anymore. And that's what we're attacking all the way. So the the solution to attacking Disney is put all the spend take that money you would have spent going to see Rise of Skywalker, which six bucks. Lol. I was 15. I was talking about Let's like a Tuesday real. marquee. I, 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 which is all that I can afford. I can't go at, you know, midnight on a Friday. Oh my gosh. Moving closer to a city made movies so much worse. I know you guys love the recliners. I can't stand I had one that was heated the other day and I almost cried. It was amazing. My butt was warm. Um, The solution then is support small creators. And I know that sounds funny. Coming Patreon. from Patreon.com. But by small, I mean literally anyone that has less than 5 million subscribers. Like, that's honestly how I feel. It's like anybody anybody who has, like, the threshold is, like, 
the single digit the millions. If you've right? been on the Ellen show. That, yes. <laughs> yeah. Once you're on Ellen, you are part of Sorry, the state. Sorry, Kid President, we can't support you. Honestly, we should never have supported Kid President. Somebody else wrote that script. <laughs> Backlash against Kid President. <laughs> no, but it's it's tough though because then like the only way you can really support those people is through things like Etsy, and from people the and from people that that I know who who I'm gonna do stuff on there. They're kind of like screwing people over. Ooh. You know, yeah. and so it just, it's only a matter of time before Patreon does that. Oh, Patreon yeah. already has so many times. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God bless them. God bless the work they're doing, putting power and money in creators' hands. But no, in the end, the needs. I was just listening to a doctor who was telling his story, and he said uh, he worked for this hospital, and he was their number one surgeon, and everyone's given two screw ups. You can screw up twice, like malpractice wise, a year. For non-egregious stuff, like simple stuff, because everyone makes mistakes. And so he said, he goes to his HR, and he's like, I get two screw-ups a year, but I do five times the amount of procedures as a normal doctor. Can I have five times the amount of screw-ups? And they're like, nope, two screw-ups. So he has two screw-ups. And just because of the internal politics, they were able to, and just the craziness of it. So he goes to his, his the head of the, the hospital, and he's like, listen... I don't think he got written up for something. He's like, I don't think you guys understand. I can help our patients without surgery. And they're like, but surgeries make more money. Oof. Oof. So, I mean, he was, he was told and he was written up for using diet and other things and, and, and physical um, therapy to heal uh, knee replacements instead of, or to heal bum knees instead of doing a knee replacement. Like that is, and and then the, and then uh, the guy interviewing him says, "I have a friend who took his dog to the vet, and the vet pressures you need to give this surgery to your dog. You need it." But my friend was poor, and being poor saved him because he said, "I can't pay you thirty thousand dollars for this surgery. What do you have? Anything else? Have we exhausted literally everything?" And she goes, "Well, I guess we could give him the steroid to see if it works." He said, "In in two days, it was totally fine." Oh, my gosh. And so this is the economic calculus, the same calculus of a woman who opened five Planned Parenthood abortion clinics in the state of Texas, and she did the math. If I get every one woman to walk into my office to get an abortion to come back four more times, I win. I become a millionaire in 10 years. So she deliberately gave them low dosages of the pill so that they would keep getting pregnant and keep coming back. And she hoped they would be late term because that's like 10 times more expensive. Right? Oh, gosh. And this one, yeah. Why did we privatize this industry? <laughs> uh, well, and uh, yeah. Um, hooray. This has been another episode of Four White Catholic Guys <laughs> Solve No Problems. Guys, let's. I hope that I hope that you on your ride to work are thoroughly depressed and now get to walk into your office and take it out on your coworkers. There's only one thing left to do. What would you do if I sang out of tune? <laughs> bum bum bum. Would you get up and walk out on me? Lend me um. your ears and I'll <laughs> sing you a song. And Weird I will friend Paul that everyone thought oh, it was Marilyn Manson back in the back in the nineties. <laughs> we sure did. We, we sure really did. did. Hey, did you hear uh, Marilyn you Manson guys... got a rib removed so he could give himself oral sex? <laughs> I was I was thinking greatest about, I was rumor like, that other of Marilyn Manson time. thing. Greatest yeah. Rumor.
Give me those sweet, sweet green room stories. You know what's funny? They're really, they're, I don't know. Like, all the people that you would know that I know are all good people. Yeah. There's only one who was yeah. kind of douche. Who was it? Who and won? I'm who? like. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but I've never, I've never been a part of an ugly thing or like, oh, gosh, yeah. who do you think you are? It's never happened. Ever. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. I've that heard like stories I, from other speakers about other speakers, but I've never, I've never experienced it. That is something that I've been, that makes me happy, right? Is that every interaction that I've ever had with a speaker, it's like they, they fly in the face of all of those Twitter um, caricatures of Catholic quote unquote celebrities. It's like, oh, they're probably just seeking fame or they're like vain. It's like, I, I honestly haven't met someone that's, that fits that bill. They're all incredibly humble people and it's nice. I am. You know? Thank you. <laughs> Luke, especially. <laughs> well, like Chris, Chris Stefanik, I mean, case in point. Um, I, uh, we, we, uh, family at the school they went to that their kids went to was going to host them. They were paying for him to come out. And, um, he reached out to his family and said, Hey, can Mike Gormley pick me up? My friend JD Flynn asked if I could talk to him. And this is the only time I have, is it okay if they do? And she was like, yeah, sure. That's no problem. Just as long as he drops them off at our house. So I went, all I did was pick him up at the airport and take him, but he was giving me all this advice as a Catholic speaker and all the things he's learned the last 25 years of doing it and the dangers. Cause we were, you know, our family was getting a little frayed at the edges of me traveling and all this stuff. And, mm. and, uh, he literally sat in a car for, uh, after we pulled up to the house for about another 15, 20 minutes and just explained the universe as he saw it to wow. me so that I wouldn't suffer what his family suffered when he was trying to do it because yeah. he was saying yes to every gig and all the middle school retreats and all the things. And he was burnt. He was burning out. His wife was burning out. Our pets heads are falling off. And I was like, okay, you're already telling me my life story. Okay, good. And he just laid it out. And he's like, so you need to be strategic. You need to understand what you're doing. And it really did. Um, it brought a lot, a lot of light into my thing. And he didn't need to do that at all. I mean, yeah. he's probably tired from flying on a plane. I'm always tired flying on planes, except this last <laughs> time. I got bumped up to first class. Oh, so relaxing. <laughs> I so felt like so a nice. human. Wow. I was a human. It's, wow. It's so I was wonderful. sitting in a, I feel like I was in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> it reclined. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So do meet your heroes, yeah. I guess. It's nice. It's nice that somebody on this podcast had a good experience meeting their heroes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, right. see you later. <laughs> I'll talk kidding. to you in a year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it two. <laughs> hey, uh, are you guys going to seek? Oh yeah, I'll be there. Yep, we think so. I yeah. mean, I'll be there because I have yeah, to. I'm be because I'm bringing students. It's my job, but we should be there. Even wait, are you guys going well. to seek? Well, it's in St. Louis where my in-laws are from, so I already have my housing situation taken care of. Yes, perfect. Nice. And I am very excited. Let's And are you going Shannon's as attractive or are you mother going as Gomer Gomerly. Wait, wait, hold on. Luke has to make an inappropriate comment. I don't think everyone heard. What, Luke? And Shannon's attractive mother. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Luke. Just say, hey, remember that one time Shannon was listening to the Crunch and not your podcast? Hey, anyway, so yeah, literally um, just that one time, just the one, which is probably yeah, for no, the best. Just one time, which is still I, one yeah, time better. more than she's listened <laughs> to. <Yeah. Catching> <laughs> <Fox>. <laughs> 
Um, are you going as Catching Foxes or are you going as Michael Gomer? Oh, I'm going as neither. Maybe as Catching Foxes if they give us space. But other than that, I doubt it. Dang. Uh, it is a should. crime We're that Focus has not asked you to speak at uh, I'm telling at you. The I'm telling you. This is my arrogance. This is my pride. Every year when that list comes out, because it's such a cool conference. When that list comes yeah. out and I see the names of speakers and I'm not on it, I understand why I'm not on it. But there's so much sadness and jealousy. I'm like, come mm. on. This is my white whale. But Pay but, for my booze. <laughs> Pay for my booze. Gomer, I don't want to inflate your ego. But at the same time, I look at that list every year and I say, yeah, Gomer's better than about half of these. Not like in a way of like they're bad, but just – I don't know. I think you're, you could, you could, I don't, I'll talk to some people. I have connections. Please make something happen if you want it to happen. Uh, there are two people. No, on but that would be foxes. so much worse. If, <laughs> then you'd be able to Listen, be like, hey, the only reason you're here is because I got thinking the about, no, I'm totally I'm not, fine with that. I'm not thinking I'm about totally Gomer's fine. ego anymore. I'm thinking about the, the people who could benefit from him and not. He's thinking of souls. I'm not, I'm not somebody Quibono, my friend. boxes, but you know, whatever. Quibono, who benefits? So I, I'm I'm on the CatholicSpeakers.com email list. Oh yeah, and every one of them that I get, I immediately hit forward and send them to a handful of people mm-hmm. because it's not that they're bad; it's that Catholic speakers is clearly like two people in like a garage <laughs> trying to make it sound like this agency. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, here's it's Bill. Weird. Bill is a dynamic speaker who uses humor and Catholic theology. Here's they Sarah. Sarah is a humorous speaker who's a dynamic presenter. You know, they're all that, right? And a bag of chips. Yeah. But, um, and then I saw at Seek, I saw one of the speakers. Yeah. And I almost crapped. Not, they weren't a speaker on stage. They were just at Seek. And it was like literally within two minutes of me and Luke walking into the building, trying to find where we're supposed to go. And I saw him walk by and I just went, I have sent his video to so many people. (laughs) (laughs) I think I remember it's it's the one guy in the beach thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I remember that we were like, it's him. It's him. And then (laughs) wait, is he blonde? Oh, I know. And I hear he gives great talks. I'm not dogging him. All I'm saying is the promos from the emails look yeah. hysterically awful. So everyone sign up CatholicSpeakers.com slash CF. <laughs> <laughs> slash CF. No, we sh- if you guys can both make it to Seek uh, in St. Louis, that would be – I think we'd have a great time if we could get a, a whole crew out there. My dream is to be able to get an Airbnb, and I know that Gomer has uh, – has his family there as well as Shannon's hot mom, but uh, uh, it's to get an Airbnb where just like podcast people go, can just like hang out. I could uh, ask my, like my in-laws dream. to leave. Oh. <laughs> uh, Focus missionary by day, podcast luminary by night. It will be great. Yeah. No, yeah. I um I think I would imagine uh, they'll probably ask us to do like the podcast and stuff. And, and really, the only reason why we didn't go um, last time was they sent an email to the wrong thing, and like, or they said they sent an email to us, but like we never got anything. Yeah, they yeah. do. But we were so, invited. And, but I I already had a gig. I had my wife's um, yeah thing. So 
Well, and we can't uh, like. Th- th- I mean, to be honest, as well. Like now that we're, I mean, kind of doing, um, uh, kind of doing the live shows, so that might be over with. Um, well, not over with. We just haven't unbooked a lot um, um recently, so the market says no. Anyways, um. <laughs> My point, though, is for us, like, if we were, like, if uh, really your guys' age, we would probably just go. Um, but I can't tell Aaron, like, hey, I'm going to spend, like, $1,000 on, like, a hotel and, and like, a flight and food and all this stuff to go hang out and just be cool for a week. No, but you can <laughs> stay at I felt my, with that whole pregnancy thing. You can stay huh? at my in-laws. Oh, house yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, no. I, I also think, low-key, that this might be... The biggest focus conference of all time, since it is so central, um, and there's such a Catholic yeah, presence in St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah. I think this is is if there's anyone to go to, I I think it's this one. So we might we I, I've tossed around the idea of of getting a booth possibly mm-hmm. for this Split next with one. The old, just because I think the old Matt Frad, or get your own. We'll go in on it. Mm-hmm. You, that show might have sailed. Ship might have sailed. Oh really? Yeah. Yikes. What what ship? Well, I mean that the reason why Matt got that booth was because yeah, of an oh, yeah, issue yeah, that yeah, had yeah, happened. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 And it was like a I mean, yeah. they were very nice. It was a consolation prize for basically some screw ups that happened. And um so he got that, but then he was like, you know, I'm exhausted. I don't I'm an introvert and we're like, we'll stand here the whole time. <laughs> and so <yeah. laughs> Yeah, he was very cool about Zoinks. that. Yeah, that booth was the best thing that could have happened to me that seek. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was so the nice. Only time, it was only time I've ever talked to Matt Frad, and he called me a bastard, and that's the greatest memory I have of, <laughs> of Seek 2019. <laughs> I, I think one of my favorite parts was because so about probably one out of every ten person that would stop by would actually would, would like actually like know who we were, and then and then they may or like may not be like a pretty big fan of ours. But we would have – there would always be, like, a few people who would uh, stop by and would n- not know who we are and not care in the <laughs> slightest. And this one guy stops by and he goes, so, like, where's Matt? I'm like, I don't know. He's just gone. He's like, do you know – like, and, like, do you know – I'm like, when he's going to be back? I'm like, no. And it was just – he was just, like, angry that, one, I wasn't Matt, and, two, I couldn't really um, tell him anything. <laughs> Listen, I'm mad that I'm not Matt Fred, too, okay? (laughs) You and I are in the same boat, buddy. Yeah. We met so many cool people, like Stephanie. Remember Stephanie? God, she was awesome. She's a Patreon supporter. She's incredible. (laughs) Good old Stephanie. Good old old Stephanie. She knows who she is, and that's why she's getting this shot. I miss Mel. (laughs) Mel. Mel. (laughs) Mel. Uh. All right, Luke, how do we end this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. Oh, wait. Is Mel the one girl? Yes. I think yes, I she is. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. She's cool. Well, this was fun, guys. Yeah. Uh, we re- we started off kind of okay. Then it got good and really died towards the end. But uh, I think we'll be able to sell. No, thanks for, thanks for having us on. Uh, this has been much, much better than the first time. And it's we're not out of the tunnel yet, boys. We still have to make sure we get the files. Yeah, we do have to get the files. <laughs> Lord, please be with us. But thanks for having us on. I I greatly enjoy yeah, your show. I listen every single week, um, so it's cool to be on Aww. and uh, and talking with you guys. It's been great. I love you I love guys you too, Luke. You guys are good. Sorry yeah. that I crap on you a lot. I just think it's funny. It is. No, it's how you show affection. It's just love. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
giant dumps on people is Luke's love language. <laughs> Conveniently I... left out of Gary Chapman's book, The Sixth Love Language, The Poo Language. <laughs> I, I still look back fondly on a moment when I was in I was in the gym and I was halfway through a rep that's short for repetition on a machine and Luke goes what is this amateur hour and then pauses and I felt it coming and he goes what is this the crunch and I slammed the weights down and screamed damn it in the middle of a gym. I remember that exact <laughs> mo- that moment is burned into my brain I can't forget it yeah, one of my favorite all time moments that was awesome. I just got yelled at by my wife for being loud. <laughs> oh, she's only gestating a human person. Tell her to calm down. It's not yeah. like she's being... <laughs> she's... Oh, she's <laughs> gestating a female. Aww. I know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm responsible for for a person. Ugh. Hey, I'm very nervous. It only gets harder from here. Yeah. This is the easy part. Just think about that. <laughs> this is the easy oh, part. Geez. <laughs> I say it to myself every time, every morning. Every morning I look in the mirror and I go, this is supposed to be the easy part. <laughs> so where you can find us. Um... <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> I don't Yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll figure it out. We've talked Put about it Put in the enough. drums and the guitar and just close it. You, can, <laughs> you can find us at Abiding Together. I'm Sister Miriam. Good day, mate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm Sister Miriam, and it's been a rough three years. 